other people are doing it and they're showing you it can be done, why not you? You know, it's, it's not that they have privilege. It's not that they have, you know, access to more capital. Maybe they, they do, but that's not the reason that's holding you back. Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. I'm your host, Dr. Richard. Whoever you are, wherever you're from, and whatever you do, this is the show that is going to help you become the best version of yourself. Each episode, you will hear from some of the most amazing, talented, and successful people on the planet who followed their passions and strive to help others. Join our movement to get a million people each day to commit acts of kindness for others. Together, we're going to make the world a better place. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I'm really excited to share our guest with you today. Her name is Angie Morgan Witkowski. She's a keynote speaker, best-selling author, business coach, multi-time entrepreneur, a Marine, a mother, a wife, an athlete, a hopeless optimist, and a winner. There's so much I can tell you about her, and we're going to get into her past, but she is a New York Times bestselling author for the business books, Spark, Bet on You, and Leading from the Front. She's a leadership and life coach and has shared a stage with some of the most influential leaders of our time. Angie, this is going to be a great conversation. Welcome to The Daily Helping. It is awesome to have you with us today. Dr. Richard, I love being here and I love what you're doing for your audience. I think this is fascinating. It's so important. And I know for me personally, too, I love programs like these. Just a little sprinkle every single day lifts my spirit. And you just read my bio and I've you know, dabbled in the leadership space, but man, I need my daily helping too. <laughs> I appreciate that. We all need our daily helping. So I, I am grateful that you are with us today to, to share your wisdom with us. Uh, I omitted a lot from your bio because you've done some really cool stuff. So let's hop in the Angie Morgan Witkowski time machine and tell us your superhero origin story. What puts you on the path you're on today? I think the biggest thing that happened to me in my life was my parents gave me a library card. I grew up in a really small rural community in northern Michigan. And with that library card, I like devoured Sweet Valley High books. I learned about places like Malibu because obviously this was pre-internet. My parents also had bought one of those Encyclopedia Britannica sets to imagine, right, that knowledge wasn't going to change so much so that you would have volumes of encyclopedias that would just be static, but I devoured and I developed, I developed, devoured books. And I developed this perspective of this great wide world that I just wanted to jump right into. Uh, the biggest step I decided to take was going to Ann Arbor, go blue. I know we've got some commonalities mm. and differences in this world, <laughs> uh, but that was a really big step for me was to go to Ann Arbor to start to see diversity and see a bigger world, but that wasn't enough. I decided to join the Marine Corps, which flung me further out into the world. So as I was getting my BA in English, I was also on the path to become a Marine Corps officer. And so that's really my origin story. Just, I love learning. I love adventure. 
and life is just too short that I want to do everything. And I try. So tell me about your time in the Marines, because it's, it's, I, I, I know this about you and I didn't talk about it, but it's pivotal to, to your career and what you did. So tell us a little bit about some of the work you did there. Yeah, there's, there's so much I did not know, not only about the world, but about myself and my limits and capabilities. And it gave me so many great opportunities to just experience different cultures and diversity. Going through the Marine Corps with just the diverse experiences, meeting different people. And I don't really think that I understood the impact of service until I actually led, left active duty and started working in the private sector. I landed a job. I call it the easiest job in the world. I was selling Viagra in Beverly Hills for Pfizer. <laughs> and so <laughs> I had a lot of time on my hands because work was kind of easy just to think about what had happened to me and what did I learn? And now I was in a different corporate culture. So I spent a lot of time reflecting and what I learned after I left active duty was I, I learned a lot about leadership. In the business world, we think about leaders as managers, managers as leaders, and it's not the same thing. Those two things are completely different. In the military, that leadership is a verb and management is a noun. And so that was one of the things. I also learned a lot about being a minority in a male majority environment. Like that was a profound experience for me. I do a lot of work in the oil and gas space. So I feel like my experiences as a woman leader really resonate with women trying to exceed in those career paths. So those are probably some of the most important takeaways. I also learned like, you know, when you go through training in the Marine Corps, you have this perception of what you're capable for. And I think we all have this sense of the Marine Corps. They break you down before they build you back up. But what do they have to break down? They have to break down the limits that you see for yourself. And that was a powerful takeaway. That's interesting. And, and I've always heard that, right? They come in and they crush you basically, physically and psychologically <laughs> so that they can mold you and their image. But I've never thought about it in terms of limit setting. And I think that's applicable to anybody who has these kind of mighty goals. Like Our biggest obstacle is usually not the goal. It's usually that little voice inside our head or people, our environment, even worse, telling us that the goal's too hard. And I think about just that voice. One of the things we learned about in training was that um, our mind is going to quit on us before our body does. So we went through just excruciating physical exercises. And they're right. Like our bodies would still be going, but our mind is going to shut down on us first. And so if we can control that narrative that is in our mind, or at least check in with it and maybe write it or rewrite it to better serve us, then we're in then we're starting to see a greater potential within ourselves. And that's another cool thing about Marine Corps training too. Gosh, I'm starting to talk just about the Marine Corps, but um, none of the exercises or challenges in training can be completed by yourself. You must work with a team. And so that when you, you, know, you think about breaking you down and building you back up, uh, you had to complete and achieve success with and through other people. And that was pivotal too. I think about that in my life right now, and you know, perhaps your listeners too. We can be alone. And we can let ourselves be alone, but we're not really alone. And if we reach out and get the support of other people, suddenly success doesn't have to be so fleeting. Our challenges don't seem so interesting. You, you've already shared such awesome pearls of wisdoms. I and I I know we talked about this offline. You've got a bakery called Morsels uh, as just a side thing you do with your husband. These have been great morsels. 
uh, of knowledge. So uh, I'm loving this conversation. I am curious though, Angie. So you're out there in Beverly Hills selling Viagra, as you said, uh, kind of sells itself in that in that environment. How did you go from that to what you did next to forming Lead Star, this multi-million dollar coaching and consulting business? A woman I served with in the Marine Corps, Courtney Lynch, she was having similar realizations about her time in uniform and her time in the corporate world. She was living on the East Coast. And uh, at the time, I was married to a Marine. And so I was living in L.A. Then we moved to or got reassigned to North Carolina. And I transferred into another pharmaceutical sales position. So Courtney and I were having these discussions. I moved. I started working for a different company. And she wasn't happy doing the work that she was doing. She's an attorney. I wasn't necessarily happy doing the work that I was doing in pharmaceuticals. I was making great money. I was having a lot of career success, but something was missing. And I think for me, what was missing is that I knew that I had more to give. And I felt, and I think that she felt the same way. So we decided just with all the swirl going on in our lives to write a book on leadership for business professionals inspired from our Marine Corps services, because we realized we had this wealth of knowledge uh, from the Marine Corps that could be really beneficial to people trying to find success in whatever area of their life, maybe not career, maybe as a parent, maybe as a volunteer, maybe as an entrepreneur. So our very first book was 2004. We wrote Leading from the Front. We started our business. We had a book. We had a speech. And that just grew into, gosh, so many different entrepreneurial and endeavors, you know, coaching, consulting, keynoting, workshops. I think it's also given me a lot of confidence too to start other interesting side hustles along the way. I think it's funny how, you know, when we go down the entrepreneurial path, even if we don't really mean to, it opens up so many of these doors that, that we talk about. I want to spend some time diving into one of your best-selling books, Bet on You. And this, uh, so so let's First, can I set the table here? What was the, your reason for wanting to write that book? I've been speaking and talking about leadership for quite some time to mostly primarily business audiences. And also in my coaching work, too, I get access to connecting with people. And what always astounded me is I would meet really smart, exceptionally well-educated people who are hesitant to bet on themselves to take a risk. And the risk that they wanted to take, maybe they wanted to run a marathon. Maybe they wanted to invest in a short-term rental business. Maybe they wanted to take a month off of vacation or go back to school and invest the money. But there was something in their lives that they were hesitant about taking a risk on themselves. And that was just fascinating to me. And listening to people talk about risk, what was very clear to me is that many people think about risk wrong. They think of it as, risk versus reward, not risk is the path to reward. Like anything you've done significant in your life, you've had to take a risk. So risk isn't the opposite, but it's presented to us that way. And because we think about risk wrong, um, we're, we're sometimes afraid of it. We don't want to do it. We say to ourselves, I'm risk averse. And the, the reality is you're not, you're not risk averse. If you've been married, if you have children, like those are crazy risks. Marriage is a 50, 50 gamble friends. <laughs> 
crazy risk <laughs> and say with kids you never know what you're gonna get it's and you, you're doing it without any experience at least the first one around so we take risks all the time so trying to make this concept of risk taking a lot more accessible and we think sometimes that we can avoid risk risk is around us all the time and if we're going to coexist with something shouldn't we know a little bit more about it so that was like the spirit of why writing bet on you to help get people comfortable with taking risks and then also to introduce them to a process to take risk because we tend to think of risk as, you know, rip the bandaid, quit your job, change your life. And that's irresponsible risk. Risk done right isn't 90 day fiance. Risk done right is have a thought, put a plan, build the behaviors, and it's going to take time. I am so glad, Angie, you're framing this in this way because people talk to me about this all the time. And there is such and it's a problem, the, the bro culture, the hustle culture, right? Like you can 10X and crush your goals. And listen, I believe that anybody can achieve whatever they want to if they're willing to work hard for it. But, you know, the the burn the ships crowd, what happens mm -hmm. if if it doesn't work, right? And you, it's easy if you don't have children. It's easy if you don't have a mortgage. Like there's all these things, right? So the idea of risk being a systemized process. And you didn't say systemized, but I, I know it, it is. Uh, I think this is really exciting because there are people I know listening to this who would say, yeah, I'd love to do X, but I'm afraid of what might happen. So let's take a deep dive. So let's talk about the process of how you can strategically take risk. Exactly. And we have a whole chapter on it too, about how to car carve the margin out into your life to test, to see if this dream or idea that you have is a viable option. So carve a couple hours into your week and just start exploring. Talk to people who are doing the thing that you want to do. You go to people and say, hey, I see that you're running you know, Dr. Richard, a podcast. Can you give me 15 minutes and tell me what's successful? You'd be like, yeah. Now, if you go to somebody and say, could you mentor me? They might say, oh, I don't have time for that. But 15 minutes? Yeah, I can give you 15 minutes. And then you start to just dabble. I started a podcast last year and I just started dabbling and I'm still learning. And I think the burn the ship thing, it's not, yeah, I wouldn't say it's certainly not as successful as yours, Dr. Richard, but I'm learning. And I think we sometimes feel like if success as we define it doesn't happen fast enough, that it's just a failure. I'm going to quit. But real lasting success just takes time. You've got to experiment. I also think one of the things that hold people back is they're waiting for the stars, the moon, the sun, whatever to align. And it's like, today is the day, friends. Like today is the day to get started on it. Don't put the pressure on yourself. It's not going to be perfect. Don't spend all your time trying to create a plan because you're wasting your time. Start doing little things, carve a margin out in your life. And in that margin, this is a guidance from the book, like don't have asset. You know, if you want to be a real estate agent, don't cram for the real estate test. And if you fail, say, oh, I guess that wasn't meant to be. No, you have asked it. Like you didn't really give it your best effort. So use that space to just see if it's a viable option. Hey guys, Dr. Richard here. For the past seven years, I've been privileged to bring you incredible guests who are changing the world and can help you become the best version of yourself. 
I'm really excited to share with you a new quiz that I created based on my clinical training that will curate for you a custom list of my top episodes and actionable strategies to help you wherever you are on your journey. All you need to do is go to drrichardschuster.com to take it, and it's 100% free. You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you, and I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love this. We had an episode with a guest named Chris Kermistos, who was such a great guy. And he had a book called Start Ugly and was saying exactly what you were saying. Like it, it, <laughs> the stars can, it just, the universe is never going to align the heavens so that, you know, this is, this is the moment. This is exactly the right time. If you have an idea, if there's something you want to do, start, just do something, which is, is what you're saying. And I love it. So carving out the margins. So we're, we're talking to people. We found people who have achieved success in whatever we want to do. We're able to nibble their ear for maybe 15 minutes at a time. Got some constructive feedback. We've been trying this out for a couple of hours a week, maybe to see if there's some viability to this. All signs point to yes. Next step, what do we do? <laughs> I always say, take it to a choice point. That's a really critical thing. Take it to a point or some sort of line in the sand when you decide whether or not you want to go all in and what all in looks like. We also say too, that you got to weave your safety net. You know, do you have the finances? Do you have the judgment? Do you have the experience? But remember the most critical element in your safety net is you, your talent, your work ethic, your experience everything that you're bringing into the challenge that you're seeing. So you're going to catch you when you fall. Always. It's not the government. It's not somebody else. <laughs> it's you. You are the most significant element of your safety net. And I, I think once you get to that point, um, like when you determine your choice point, like, yeah, I'm going to go all in, then you have something else to fear, to face, and it's facing your fears. And they're real. And whatever it is that you pay attention to is going to get your attention. So we have this amazing ability in our mind to catastrophize failure. I have a friend who is an executive director who wanted to start um, being an independent consultant. She had an easier time seeing herself homeless on the streets of Chicago than doubling her salary in five-year time frame. And that's just where our mind takes us. So if you focus on the negative, you're going to see the negative. But you have to appreciate perhaps the downside of your choice, but give the upside some airtime too. And that's really important. So when you think about going, you know, I'm taking the risk, I'm day one, this is my first step. Think positive thoughts. And when you get your fears, specifically your fear of failure, turn your attention back to all the glories and possibilities that can happen. There's good science behind what you're talking about, Angie. Um, with in the realm of cognitive behavioral therapy, oftentimes what a, a clinician will do with the patient sitting across the room from them is have them list out what are the what's the worst thing that could happen, right? And in the case of your friend, homeless on the streets of Chicago, what is the likelihood? What are the things that could lead to that? But then what's the flip side of that, right? What are the opportunities? What is it that you bring to the table? 
What are your skills and experiences? What are, and, and so you get into, when you really start breaking it down and, and focusing more on the positive, most people will find that what they fear is perhaps a little bit irrational, right? It's not impossible, but it's a little bit irrational and that they're actually better equipped than they they might be telling themselves that they are. So this is beyond sound advice. And not just for starting a business, it's a sound advice for anything because we we do have a, a tendency to catastrophize things. And so by focusing on the positive, uh, this is kind of arming yourself with another weapon in your uh your bat utility belt i guess to to really go create something positive in your life so i i'm loving this so okay so we we tested the waters uh we're focused on positive thoughts we've been trying this out a little bit having some success now what angie enjoy it (laughs) (laughs) now enjoy the journey and enjoy the learning and recognize that you're just starting i feel like sometimes we get so attached to the outcome like a dollar amount or a big goal that we forget it is you know right now is the only moment that we know and we often hear too that you know live in the moment yes i always like the phrase live in all the moments so i think about being present here and today certainly and then thinking about my future and just making sure that I've got my eye on the horizon as well, just so I can also be thinking forward too. So living, because again, living in the moment is me eating an ice cream sundae for breakfast, but me living in all the moments is me eating a healthy breakfast. And then maybe once in a while indulging in ice cream for breakfast. I, you know, it's funny though, most people I talk with, Dr. Richard, and I, I wonder for you too, have a hard time experiencing joy and the rewards of their hard work. And that's been something interesting. We write about this in uh, Bet on You, is that you know when you think about success in life, are you having fun? Because a lot of people I know just aren't. It's all work, and they don't know how to detach and really just enjoy their experience. So I'd love to hear what, what your research in the book have shown. In, in my experience, a lot of people who can't connect with joy it's because what they're doing doesn't fuel their soul with excitement. If you love what you're doing, you're going to be joyful because like this is joyful for me. I, I love that I get to spend time with an amazing person sitting across a Zoom screen somewhere in the world and sharing that and having, I. Th- these are the best moments of my week are when I get to get on a podcast interview with somebody. But that from, that's drives my mission in life, right? And I and I have a very clear understanding and I've worked at it. So I I understand what that is. I think most people, they're chasing dollars. And I remember this this kind of moment when I was an undergrad and I was in the admissions office and I was sitting getting ready to talk to somebody and I was changing my major actually um, to psychology. And there was this kid sitting there just miserable. And I said to him, hey, man, what's wrong? And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming pre-med. And I said, why are, you, why are you so upset? And he said, my dad said, I have to be a doctor. I don't know what happened to this guy. I don't know if he graduated from undergrad, went to medical school. If he's a doctor today, I guarantee you he's miserable. 
because he didn't want to be a doctor. And I didn't ask him what well, what's, you know, I'm me at 18 was not, well, tell me about your dreams. Like I wasn't that person then really, but I know that wasn't what in his heart he really wanted to be. So there is a deep connection between what you do professionally and how profound your level of happiness is. So, you know, if if you absolutely hate what you do, even if it pays you, I mean, you had a great example. I mean, you were you made a lot of money in pharmaceutical sales, but it didn't fulfill you. What you're doing now fulfills you. And I think that's that's the difference. So um, I, I presume that when you put this book together, that the data bore out similar things. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a lot of definitely data in there about what are the origins of our risk relationship. And that's been kind of interesting to look into the research for that. But what you're talking about, particularly, I call it the play it safe paradox. What gets us far in life is playing it safe. If you think about it, when the moment we're born, we're told, do this, don't do that, go to this school, get a plan B, all great guidance that keeps us safe. So if you've never, you know, if you look both ways when crossing the street, great, that's a wonderful play it safe message. But there comes a time in your life, and maybe this was when you were an undergrad, when you're in the passenger seat of the car that you want to move to the driver's seat and you want to take control, you want to demonstrate agency in your life where you have to start taking risks. And a couple of things happen. First off, you, you may not have the support of key people in your life. And that is a huge risk um, hesitator for some people. Second is you don't know how to trust yourself because you've been guided and told what to do. So that's the play it safe paradox. You know, what's got you here is playing it safe. What's gonna get you further is taking some risks, whether it's risking a relationship with your parents because you're not doing what they want you to do or it's um, putting some money on the line, going back to invest in something that you really do want to do. And that's a scary position for people. And I think as a society, we're ill-equipped often to have those self-trust moments. But building that relationship with risk is going to allow you to find that fulfillment. And I agree. When people feel misaligned from their purpose and passion, they're just going to go through the motions. And that's no way to live your life. It's one of those things where you blink and you are 60 and you realize it's, you ask yourself, how did you get here? Right. I'm now going into that, mm -hmm. that song. How did we get here? But, but it's true. Like life is, life is too short to be spending it in activities that don't bring you fulfillment. And I think there's other ways too to get that fulfillment. And I'd, I'd like to, to get your take on this. It, you know, you, you might be really good at your job and you might, like your job, but maybe there's something else you could do outside of your job that that will it involves risk, but brings you that element of joy. So take us through that a little bit. Yeah, I like to think about taking a kaleidoscope approach to envisioning your life. What makes a kaleidoscope amazing to look through and to look at is multiple chambers, balanced chips. And if you think about your life like that, multiple chambers, I don't like the word life balance. I like life harmony. And it sounds like that's something with you too. Like I, I, it's never going to be 50-50 or broken up evenly. But as long as it paints a big picture, that's great. But the chambers in your life, you know, career, that's an important chamber. Your personal life, your family, that's an important chamber. What you do for joy, what you do for service too. There's a lot of research out there when you commit, when you give, 
mentally speaking, it gives you a brain boost. So it's kind of like a win, win, win. If you think about it, like I'm serving, I'm getting a brain boost, I'm helping. Awesome. So trying to think about your life like that. And if you're taking a step back, think about what chamber is empty or what chamber needs some attention. Is it joy? Are you not having fun in your life? Because I know, you know, we can get so caught up in our roles and our identities. Like I'm a parent, I'm a worker, you know, sir, it's fun for me to go to a cocktail reception for work with clients, but that's, you know, given my own, you know, parameters that may not be how I choose to have joy or my kids will go to a Marvel movie and that can be fun, but that's not how I like to necessarily spend my time. If it's just me, like I like to walk in the woods. I like to bike ride. I like to run. And so making sure I prioritize those areas. And that's a risk too. If you think about it, some of the biggest risks we can take are prioritizing ourselves and our relationships because it feels so foreign, especially most of us at this stage of our life. We're there for everybody else. And maybe how are you showing up for you? I would even look at that in the opposite way. The biggest risk we could take is not prioritizing our well-being, not yeah. prioritizing those relationships. Uh, so uh, I love this. This is great stuff. Angie, this has been awesome. You've given us a really different way of looking at risk. And I hope that people can begin applying this to their lives with these things that have been top of mind for them. And maybe they've been afraid to pull the trigger. Now, now you have a path to look at risk strategically and with a plan. Angie, as you know, I wrap up every episode by asking my guests just this one question. What is your biggest helping? That one most important takeaway you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation today? Well, I would love people to think about the dreams that they have for themselves, these grand visions. And the times that you look outside yourself and see all the cool things that other people are doing and just really ask yourself, why not you? Why can't you do that? If other people are doing it and they're showing you it can be done, why not you? You know, it's it's not that they have privilege. It's not that they have, you know, access to more capital. Maybe they, they do, but that's not the reason that's holding you back. Your fears, your worries, your concerns, your self-doubts. Those are probably big, bigger barriers than any better, other barrier out there. So just really ask yourself, why not you? Why not you indeed? Angie, tell us where people can learn more about you online and get their hands on your books, which are available everywhere. Yeah. So if you go to AngieWitkowski.com, and that is a big Polish last name. So Angie, W-I-T-K-O-W-S-K-I.com is one place to find me. And LinkedIn, I post actively there frequently, as well as Instagram, Facebook, and all the other channels. Perfect. And we'll have links to everything Angie Morgan Witkowski in the show notes at thedailyhelping.com. Well, Angie, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard. Have a great day, everybody. Absolutely. And I also want to thank each and every one of you who took time out of your day to listen to this conversation. If you liked it, if you learned something, if you think it's helpful, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else, even if you don't know who they are, and post in your social media feeds using the hashtag MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others. Thank you.